He is risen. We are here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing on His Word this morning. Father, as we come before You, may we recognize the incredible hope that we have in Christ. Lord, for those listening this morning who may be discouraged, defeated, Lord, help each one to recognize that our only hope is and can only be in You. Lord, as we look at Your Word and as we celebrate Your love and Your life, may we focus on the incredible grace that You have bestowed upon us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So do you have a nickname? Or have you ever tried to give someone else a nickname? Your nicknames are interesting. They, they often describe us. They may describe our personality or maybe our physical features. However, sometimes they can be the opposite of, of who or what we are or what we look like. Think of it. Have you ever watched a movie where Slim wasn't Slim? No. Usually Slim Slim. But what about Tiny? Have you ever really seen a Tiny Tiny? I haven't. Over the last couple months, we've been looking at the book of 1 Peter. We've been looking at the letter that Peter wrote to some people in, in a place called Asia Minor, an area called Asia Minor. Peter was one of the disciples. He had spent over three years walking this earth with Jesus. And we've seen over these last few months and continuing on, some incredible challenges for each and every one of us. But this morning, I'd like us to step back and, and look at Peter, this disciple of Jesus, during Easter week, the first Easter week. We're going to see a, a man who had ups and downs. And if we look at his character and actions over Easter week, a lot of downs. But yet, through it all, we find that hope lives. We're going to look at Easter week from Peter's perspective. Now, we're introduced to Peter a little over three years before Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. And we see that he was introduced to Jesus by his brother, Andrew. And the first thing that Jesus does is he gives Peter a new name. Nickname, but a name that he became known by. We see this new name introduced in John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. He had a new name. John 1 says this One of the two who heard John speak, that's John the Baptist, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Jesus called him Cephas, or Peter. Why? Well, Peter, the name means stone or rock. But Peter struggled with instability. At times he did very well. 
but often he failed miserably. He was generally the opposite of rock. He was the opposite of being stable and strong. Jesus gave him this name as a reminder of what he was called to be, not a recognition of who he was. And Peter's instability was never more evident than during this time of the first Easter week, the time when Jesus was crucified and rose again. But throughout this week, we see that Peter was, for the most part, hopeless. Now, he had some struggles, some character flaws, which led to his hopelessness. We see that Peter was filled with pride. Luke chapter 21, verses 31 through 34, the the disciples are with Jesus in what we call the Last Supper. They're in the upper room the night before Jesus would be crucified. And and they are there, and they're, they're talking, they're struggling, they're fighting over who would be the greatest. And... We see that Jesus speaks to Peter. And he says this, beginning in verse 31, Luke 22, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Now we're going to stop there. Because if you read through the Gospel accounts, you'll see almost always when Peter blows it, Jesus calls him Simon. You probably remember those days as a child when you know you're in trouble, right? For me, and I think for a lot of you, maybe also, it was the middle name was added. If my middle name was added, I knew I was in big trouble. Well, I'm sure that that Peter would cringe every time that Jesus said, Simon. Because he was thinking like, oh no, what did I do now? Well, let's go on here in Luke 22. It says, Lord said, Simon. And Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, Jesus was praying for Peter. But a very important part in there is when Jesus said, and when you have returned. That means that there was a time when Peter was going to go astray. And Jesus is about ready to talk about it. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he, Peter, said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. (laughs) Lord, wherever you go, I'm with you no matter how hard it is. Even dying, I'm willing to die with you. Then he, Jesus, said, I tell you, Peter. And I say, oh, good. Well, I think Jesus was saying, Peter, you're not going to be acting like your nickname. I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. I'm sure that room was silent. As each of those disciples pondered what Jesus said. Now, it's also interesting, we give Peter a hard time. It's interesting that they all agreed with Peter that they would never forsake Jesus. But as we know, just a few hours later, they would all flee. But Peter was confident in his own abilities. He said, Lord, I'm never going to leave you. 
If you go to prison, I'm with you. If you die, I'm with you. His pride and foolishness was also evidenced a short while later while they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. They, they finished the Lord's Supper. They went out to the garden to pray. And we see Peter once again blows it. He acted like a Simon. We find this story in, in each of the Gospels, but we're going to read from Matthew 26, beginning in verse 51. It says, And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus, and another account says that it was Peter, so while Peter was there with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. You say, why did he cut off his ear? Well, he, he was aiming for a full headshot, but the guy evidently moved. In verse 52, but Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword, or do you think that I cannot pray to my Father and He will provide, with, or provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the Scripture be fulfilled that it must happen thus? Jesus said, Peter, put your sword away. Don't you recognize that I could call thousands of angels to come and rescue me? But that's not the plan. But Peter foolishly trusted in his own abilities, his own pride, and that led to failure. We see continuing in the Luke passage in chapter 22, verses 54 and following, it says this, Having arrested him, so they had come, Judas brought these soldiers, they arrested Jesus. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he, Peter, denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Peter denied Jesus. Continuing on, it says, And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter's boastful statement of standing with Jesus, his brandishing his sword to protect his Savior, all down in flames. He wouldn't even admit that he knew Jesus. And he fell apart at the questioning of a small servant or a young servant girl and a couple others. It was a bad week. Peter had put his trust in Jesus. Now the week started out well as they came into Jerusalem and, and we celebrated last Sunday, Palm Sunday, but as they came in and, and the people celebrated, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and Peter and the other disciples and the other followers of Jesus, I'm sure, were like, yes! Ha <laughs> ha! Three years! And now it's finally happening. He's going to take his rightful place of power. 
But now, just a few days later, things seem to have turned completely around. Jesus had been taken to trial and Peter failed in standing for his Lord. In the next hours after Jesus was tried, he would be taken and beaten. And before that Friday was over, he would be crucified. Friday didn't close well. Peter's plans and dreams were shattered. There seemed to be no hope. But the story, unbeknownst to Peter, was not over. As the old preacher said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. The one nicknamed the Rock would shortly look into a tomb that had been covered by a rock. But as he looked in, he would see that Jesus was no longer there. He would risen just as he said. Peter found out hope lives. Let's move to Sunday morning. In John chapter 20, the first eight verses, it says this, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid Him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb, and they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came and followed him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there in the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed. Those who visited the tomb found that the guards were gone and the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away not to help Jesus out, but rather to let the world look in and find that Jesus was no longer there. He had risen. Hope lives through Christ's sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Peter's life and all of history were dramatically changed by the empty tomb. The fulcrum of history when Jesus conquered sin and death as He died for our sins and rose again. And Peter's life was changed. Yes, he'd followed Christ, but God was molding him into the rock that He called him to be. And we see that Peter found forgiveness. The Gospel writer Mark tells the story of a group of women who went to the tomb that Sunday morning and were given an amazing angelic message. The first verses of Mark 16 share that they, they went to the tomb. They were going to go there and, and they were, I'm sure, very sad, but we're going to go worship their Lord. And we pick up the story in verse 5. And entering the tomb... As they saw the stone was rolled away and went inside, they saw a young man, actually an angel, clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. 
But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. That message that the angel gave points to the hope that we all have in the resurrected Christ. But it's interesting that the angel mentioned Peter specifically. He was one of the disciples. Why didn't the angel just say, hey, go tell the disciples? But he added the name Peter. God doesn't do anything by chance. He doesn't do anything in your life by chance. And He doesn't share and send an angelic message with specific words by chance. What was He doing? The last time we had seen Peter, he was weeping bitterly after he had denied his Lord And Jesus looked over at him. But Jesus wanted to remind Peter that he loved him just as much as he had a day or a week or a year earlier. Even though Peter had failed miserably and didn't act like the rock that he was called to be. Later in John 21, Jesus encouraged Peter of his love and challenged Peter to love him. But he also said that Peter would be that rock. He would be that faithful follower. We find that Peter became the rock for which he was called. A man of incredible faith as he followed Christ. His faith. You know, he was willing to stand for Christ After Jesus died and rose again, 40 days later, he went up into heaven. And the early church began in the first chapters of the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands before a large crowd and boldly witnesses of his Savior, the one who just 40 some or a little while before, weeks before, he had denied to a small group of people around a fire. But check what Peter does in Acts 4. Pentecost came, Peter preached, people were coming to Christ. The religious leaders became frustrated and angry, and so they arrested Peter and John. And so we pick up the story in Acts 4, beginning in verse 18. So they, these religious leaders, the authorities, called them, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Peter was willing to stand for Christ no matter the consequences He'd been thrown in prison. He was willing to go to prison again or whatever the punishment was. But he could not stop sharing about his Savior. What a far cry from that one who would not even admit that he knew Christ as he sat by that fire the night before the crucifixion. 
Not only would Peter stand for Jesus, but he was willing to die for him. John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19, Jesus had met the disciples by the seashore. He challenged Peter to feed his sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? But then he closes this conversation by saying this in verses 18 and 19 of John 21. He said, Jesus speaking, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger you girded yourself and walked where you wished. (laughs) His pride and handling it himself. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. It's interesting, he had, over three years earlier, to Peter and the other disciples, he said, follow me. But now as he's finishing his time here on earth, he once again tells Peter, follow me. So what happened? Well, these verses tell us that there was a change in Peter's character. And in a sense, a prophecy, Jesus saying that Peter was going to die for his faith. He was going to be a martyr for his Lord. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down for following Jesus. Why was he crucified upside down? He did not feel worthy to die in the same manner as his Savior had died. He gave his life for his Savior. He lived and died the rock. Peter, not Simon. What an amazing story. But what about your story? Maybe your response to God reflects some of the character that Peter exhibited during that first Easter week. Are you trusting in your own abilities to earn God's favor? Are you like Peter saying, I'm going to handle this? Maybe you say, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I think I deserve heaven. Well, Romans 3 tells us that we all fall short. We are sinners in the need of God's forgiveness. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, my life's a failure. I'm not worthy of God's forgiveness. Just as Peter felt that night and next morning as he denied his Lord. But guess what? Just like Peter, God desires to forgive you. His forgiveness is unconditional. His love never fails. And he has offered to each one of us the gift of eternal life. Romans 10 tells us that if we ask for his forgiveness, that he will forgive our sins. Nothing we can do that's good enough to keep us from his love, but nothing that we have done that is bad enough to keep us from his love. Good enough to earn it, bad enough to keep it. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this would not only be the greatest Easter gift, but the greatest gift that you have ever received.
Christmas, which it sort of looks like outside, doesn't it? (laughs) Easter or any other time. The gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I'd like us to stop for a moment right now. And I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want to ask you a question. Has there been a time in your life when you have prayed and asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and to be your Savior? If not, there's nothing you can do besides accepting His forgiveness that can earn that salvation. There's nothing you've ever done that could keep you from it if you turn your life over to Him. I'd like to pray. And as I pray, it's a simple prayer. The words aren't magical. But if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd love for you to silently pray these words with me. Father, I am a sinner and I need you. Please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe that He died on the cross and that He rose again. And I am placing my faith and trust in Jesus' sacrifice for my sins. Please come into my life. Forgive me. Be my Savior and Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to ask you to look up, but if you prayed that prayer, you say, that's pretty simple. Well, if in faith you prayed that prayer, a God who loves us all has promised to forgive your sins. If you have prayed that prayer, you are on a new journey. A journey as a forgiven follower of Jesus Christ. We would like to encourage you in that journey. After the service, I'll be in the foyer. I'd love to talk with you about that decision. Also, in the seat pocket in front of you, there are cards. If you would take one of those cards, if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ today, take that card, just fill it out, and drop it at the Welcome Center. We'll contact you this week just to encourage you and share with you what it means to walk that journey as a follower of Christ. But for all of us, We will continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ as forgiven sinners. We can celebrate because hope lives. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, but I sort of feel like Peter did during that week. I failed him, I failed him miserably. But you know, God has promised not only to forgive our sins, but He's also promised to walk with us and to give us the power to live a triumphant life. I'd like to close with a quote by a man named Philip Yancey from his book, The Jesus I Never Knew. And he's writing and talking about how the disciples changed from the fearful ones that ran as Jesus was as Jesus was arrested to the ones who stood boldly even willing to give their lives as his followers. And 
Yancey writes this. This perhaps describes the change in the disciples' perspective as they, locked, as, they, as they sat in locked rooms discussing the incomprehensible events of Easter Sunday. In one sense, nothing had changed. Rome still occupied Palestine. Many had believed that Jesus was going to take them out from under the Roman domination. Nothing had changed. Rome still occupied Palestine. Religious authorities still had a bounty on there, the disciples' heads. Death and evil still reigned outside. Gradually, however, the shock of recognition gave way to a long, slow undertow of joy. If God could do that. And then Yancey ends the quote with a dot, dot, dot. If God could do that, what can he do in your life? The one who gave us victory over sin, victory over death, desires to give us victory in our daily life. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we are so grateful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We're grateful for your love, your mercy, your grace. We're thankful for salvation that we have in you. We're thankful for the cross, but we are equally as thankful for the tomb. Victory over sin, but also victory over death and eternal life in you. As we celebrate you, as we continue to sing your praises, may we worship you in recognition of you, our risen Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>